What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. Guys, you know, we play that intro and we have esteemed guests like do that to sit through it like fox sports tim brando on and i just wonder after tim listens to that if uh if he's ever going to join us again (laughs) (laughs) hi tim how are you gee uh who 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 here has got the most i don't know pipes uh but I, I, i grew up in the radio business it was about having good pipes so uh, I, I understand that you guys are about uh, an inanimate object, like, <laughs> like, like balls. I, I'm thinking pipes. Who, who among the three of you have the proper pipes for this podcast? Evan Grant does, because this is really his podcast. <laughs> I've got, I've got nothing. You, Tim, you know me for a long time, and you know that I've got the voice and the face for print media. <laughs> hey, listen, Barry. This guy was in Chateau Brando as we just got it under construction, not knowing that I would one day do 14 hours of, uh, of 14 years of radio from that, from that set, which was at the, the upstairs bedroom at the Chateau. He, he came in, I want to say, gosh, that was before the College World Series of 1990. I think that's right. It sounds about I, right. We were just building the house, and uh, uh, the Citadel made that great run and actually beat... Um, Phil Nevin and Cal State Fullerton that year, and you came into the house to do a piece, and uh, you let we, Ev- didn't, we didn't have furniture in the house at that time. We just, we just built the house, as I recall. I, I I was used to that at that point in time. I didn't have furniture either. <laughs> well, we sold everything in Connecticut because I remember yes, I was still with ESPN at the time, but my move to Shreveport was by choice, Barry. So they weren't going to pay for this move, which meant that I. Which meant that I went into the studios of uh, in Bristol and just put up for sale signs for every everything in my house, everything that I had in my house. And uh, Fred Godelli, who now produces uh, the uh, Sunday night games on NBC, sure. uh, he and and, and and Kerry Ross, I think, bought up just about everything. Kerry wound up marrying um, Dave Dombrowski. Dave Dombrowski, yeah. And uh, but at the time, Fred and and Kerry were an item, and they needed some furniture. And I think they bought up three quarters of our stuff. I, so when we got here, we needed to we needed to get everything that uh, we needed to buy a new new everything when we came home. So I, I can't wait to text Fred Godelli after this uh, after this podcast. <laughs> He'll get a kick out of that. I wor- and you know I worked I worked with Carrie uh, in South Florida when she was doing TV down there and was invited to the Dombrowski Ross wedding, which was at the Cowboy Hall of Fame in I believe it's Oklahoma City or Tulsa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Carrie uh, is the daughter of an old oil uh, uh, guy in in Oklahoma. She and 
uh, he and, and I think Switzer uh, had some business dealings together. Really a nice lady, and uh, you know she she was she was our first uh, you know the first of many blonde reporters that we found in sports television uh, way back in the day. She was working with Bino and Corso and me back back in the earliest days of college game day in 1987, right. eight, nine, right in there. And she actually took my oldest daughter learned how to dress because Carrie lived in the same. Uh, condo development and she 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 got some of the best clothes i think that uh, she ever had as an adolescent from from carrie carrie i could dress her up like a barbie doll it was funny you know i, I i'd like to go on with this but kevin sherrington is feeling very left out here we, you, we haven't acknowledged him <laughs> and he's, he's just sitting hi, kevin hi tim how are you big fan of yours tim I'm you do great. a great job that's Thank not you. what you said when we went through the whole the very oh, intensive prep too. meeting. It is too. It's all great <laughs> well, stuff. But here, here's the thing. This is what we need to do for our guest. Okay, what's that? Because he's a guest, and we need to let him pick whether yeah. he wants to talk about Texas A and M first, yeah, or whether he wants to talk about if you want to talk about houses with no furniture, LSU. <laughs> so which would you well, rather talk about, Tim? Well, if this if, if this sports thing doesn't work out, and I've been on the cusp of it not working out several times. Haven't we the all? Any of these reality fixer-upper shows, you know, like those folks that live in Waco, I might have to do one of those one day. <laughs> you, you never know. So you got to keep your options open here, Evan. You know, I got you. you. So uh, do you want you want LSU or you want A&M as your first topic? Oh, now let's, now let's cut to the chase. I know why you guys want to talk to me. I mean, come on. Uh, so let's go. What a... What about LSU? Do you need me to tell you? <laughs> you know, but actually, I've, I've got to admit, when, when when I thought when I said let's get Tim Brando on, I really wanted to talk about the SEC West, you know, to include A and M, Alabama, and LSU. But of course, things have happened at LSU since since uh, we booked since you yesterday since morning. yesterday morning when I thought of this, and of course, they're looking for a head coach. Evan, go. What, what's your Tim? Should he have been fired? Yeah. Under the circumstances, yeah, this is they had no they had no alternative but to let him go, given the circumstances now. Okay, but it's the leadership at LSU that's the bigger problem. It's not Les Miles, and that's one of the reasons why I feel that they can huff and puff and try to blow Les's house down all they want. But the reality is that. Until there's a change in governance within the institution, uh, and you have all three faculties on the same page, and by that I mean the president's office, the athletic director's office, and the head coach, then you got problems. And in a populous state like Louisiana, and Evan, you did live here for a short enough time, I think, to know, there's way too much outside influence at that institution for total leadership to take place, and the only time that it really happened was when this guy came in with a lot of swagger from Connecticut, of all places, named Mark Emmert, and he got total control and power, even from the governor's office, and he hired a coach from Michigan State that no one wanted, and who had in fact lost a game to Jerry DiNardo in the Independence Bowl. Uh, Michigan State had lost to LSU, and then he later became the head coach. Well, no one wanted him. And Emmert did have total control. He Say what you want about him as, a, as the head of the NCAA, and he's certainly had some missteps there. But when he came into Baton Rouge, he changed the culture uh, academically, athletically, and the main change was that no one was going to challenge 
uh, Nick Saban, that he had total autonomy, and, uh, and that's what the program needed at that point. There had been uh, isolated cases of really good coaching at LSU post-Charlie McClendon, Bill Arnsparger being one of those. But even the late Bill Arnsparger could not control the political mess that was going on within the infrastructure of athletics at the institution. And so he left, of all things, to become the athletic director at Florida. Think about that. Bill Arnsparger, you know, who created the 53 defense, who was one of the great, brilliant minds of coaching in the history of football, pro and college, left to go be the athletic director at Florida, of all places. So that should tell you something. But uh, Nick did have a lot of power. And, uh, and Emmert gave it to him, and no one was going to get in his way. Uh, and he's done really, he did at LSU in a, in a smaller way what he's done at Alabama. He's built an empire. And the reason why he's done it is because people have gotten out of his way. Uh, you know, you've got to have that kind of leadership and governance within your, your academic and athletic world to be successful. And if, if you've got a puppet like Joe Oliva running your program, for uh, th- this this week's flavor, uh, King Alexander is running the, the institution, and they're just doing what? Trying to keep the donors happy. And if you're trying to keep donors happy, you know what can happen there. It's not that dissimilar from the situation at Texas. It's In fact, it's uh, somewhat, uh, I think it somewhat resembles what uh, the tug of war between uh, those with money had going on in Austin. It's just it gets a little bit more... Um, we, we see more open wounds in Louisiana than we ever do in Texas. So, Tim, that's, that's it, the one difference. So, it's, it, the next, uh, of course, there's going to be an interim coach now. But for the, the 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 next coach at LSU, there's already been speculation here and in, in, in across the nation that Art Briles' name has uh, come up, uh, Tom Herman's name has come up. The next coach, though, at LSU, from what you're telling us in, in about that uh, with that background, it had to be someone to me who has a very strong personality, someone who can command that situation, someone like Nick Saban, who said we're going to yeah. go my way or the highway. Would even if they did entertain Art Briles or Tom Herman, would would those two personalities be strong enough to get that job done? I don't know Tom Herman well enough, but I get a sense that because of his background. Uh, especially more of the recent background with uh, with Urban Meyer, that he's cut from that cloth. Uh, but he's still a very young coach, and when you're young, you can be influenced. So I, I, I have some reservations about whether he could come in with the kind of swagger of Saban. You know, it's funny, no one in Louisiana knew about Saban, and they were all very much against the hire. But all the football people, I mean all the football people, pro and college, thought it was just a gem of a hire. Uh, but be damned what the people that really know what they're talking about think. The fans didn't want him. Uh, if Herman, Herman's probably the closest to that, but I don't know how he would consider going. And the reason I say that is because the job he's done at Houston has just been incredible. And if he becomes, if, if Houston does become, and I think they will become a member of the Big 12, then that job changes. You know, think about, I'll use as an example, Bobby Petrino, whose name probably has also been thrown to the wall in some of these lists that you're reading. Never bring uh, Bobby Petrino's name into this show, Tim. Well, I, <laughs> but think about it. When Bobby Petrino left Louisville, it was not the job that it is now. Right. And look where they are. 
when he was in Conference USA and trying to bid to be a party crasher for the college for, for the BCS, uh, and, and Louisville was playing those Thursday night games to try to be number one or number two in the country, uh, no, no one was thinking that Louisville one day could be in a, in a power five, but they are. And Houston beca- could become a Power 5 school, too. And if that happens, then everything that's happening at, at Houston in football uh, in this new age would sort of wipe the slate clean, even from what Bryles did there, what Kevin Sumlin did there, even all the way back to Bill Yeoman's days in the old Southwest Conference. All that would be wiped away because Houston's a big boy now. They would be erecting a statue outside the new stadium there of him that quickly. You'll never be that at LSU. You know, you'll never have the kind of control at a place like LSU that you have at Houston. And if they can pay him north of $5 million, and I believe if they go to the Big 12, they will, he'd be a, it would be absurd for him to leave for Baton Rouge to Are take you, on uh, the, the, the kind of political nightmare that that place could be. Are you saying, right now. Tim, are you saying that Houston at this point in time is about to be a better job than LSU? For him, for him, for him, for someone in the position that he's in, trying to you know create uh, and leave a footprint for success. So yes, for I whom would that. for whom would LSU be a good a good job? Boy, that's uh, to me. Well, a lot of young guys, aggressive guys that believe that. Oh my God, you can get great plays. You build a fence. Louisiana State University is a top five job solely because of the. Uh, state and the number of great players in the geography of the recruitment process, most coaches probably that are average or above average would just be frothing at the mouth to come to LSU. We're talking about your your question is great coaches. What great coaches want to come? And great coaches saw what what I made mention of last year, the, the complete embarrassment that the president and athletic director made of the, and made a mockery of the situation in the last month of the season for less, so much so that after halftime of the Texas A&M game, when they knew they couldn't get Jimbo because the rug had been pulled out, pulled out from underneath them by his agent, Jimmy Sexton, the only thing these guys could come up with in the spin room was they had an epiphany at halftime that Les was a great coach and he's going to remain. Really? <laughs> really? Well, great coaches know that Sexton controlled them and that Jimbo was the only was the only guy they could get and that there was no plan B. These rocket scientists that are running this institution of higher learning had no plan B after Jimbo Fisher dumped them. He used them, he got his raise, he dumped them, and now they had nothing but less. Well, okay. So the great coaches, Evan, know that. And, and they're like, really, these guys? Really? What is, are they running romper room? What, what's going on? So, you're LSU. You're a top five job. You should have plan B and plan C ready to go if you're that quick to fire a guy like Bob. So, so to me it sounds oh. like – go ahead, Barry. I just want to – no, but is, is Art Bryles a great coach? It sounds to me like uh, – like, Well, wait. I, I, I didn't say Evan is Art Bryles a great coach. I meant Tim is Art Bryles, Bryles a great coach. And would he have a shot at that job? If you take in the totality of the profession and where you know a head coach has to be in terms of the obligations that he has in running the business of college football, 
for Art Bryles to be on this list tells you all you need to know about LSU's leadership. <laughs> Art Bryles is an incredibly innovative high school coaching legend who did a marvelous job at Houston and then got to a situation at Baylor where he did have control, perhaps too much, and you saw what happened. So for him to be on this list at a place like LSU in, in these times, Barry, should tell you how tone-deaf the leadership at LSU really is. Do you, do, do you think he's on? Under no circumstances, under no circumstances should Art, and I like Art, but under no circumstances in these times should he be on the list as a potential head coaching hire uh, after Les Miles. No uh, way. But is he a great offensive coach that could make a difference with his intellectual property and give the fans cosmetically on the field what they'd like to see to make them happy? Yeah, he could do all those things. But that's not what the job, you know, the head coach at LSU, like the co- head coach at Oklahoma, Texas, is the face of your state. Okay, though, mo- most people could not tell you if they saw a picture of the governor of Oklahoma, who he, who he really was, even when David Bourne was. They wouldn't know. But if they saw Bob Stoops, they'd know. Same is true in Louisiana. And, and trust me when I tell you, the governors we've had, we prefer the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you're, how badly is Brawls going to campaign for this job? Well, you know, and I agree with with Tim 100. percent It says when when I saw that Art Brow's name had come up for the LSU job, I was stunned. Well, let's go back to what we talked about on the Cowboys podcast. Would versus should? I mean, he should not be on the list. No, he should not be on the list. But it, he will campaign for the job. Oh well, he's already campaigning for jobs. I right. mean, the, the fact that he came out and and after all this time of speaking of tone deaf, uh, not understanding his responsibility and accountability in what happened at Baylor. Tone Deaf was also Ken Starr saying that the media had done Art Briles a great disservice. Yeah, yeah, that was, there was more of the same here. It, it, it just goes on and on and on. It, you know, this is the, yeah. the worst stuff that's happening at, for Baylor is the fact that Ken Starr and Art Briles keep talking. If, right. the, if they would just be quiet, uh, that they, they would go a long ways toward repairing Baylor's reputation. And they look – I mean, that administration and past administration has looked tone deaf on that whole front. Well, they so. just – I don't really – I don't really sense – there's a there's certainly an element of, of Baylor, and, and I heard from this when I was – in the initial comms I wrote about Art Bryles in this situation. You know, got buried under a lot of stuff uh, from angry Baylor fans, but there was also a lot of Baylor people who are embarrassed about what happened and do think it's terrible what happened uh, there at the university and in the athletic program. But having said that, there's a lot of people who also feel like, you know, and usually young people, hey, we're great. We've never been great before. It's, this is tremendous. You know, we're Baylor. How could we be doing anything wrong? He made him, he made him relevant. He did make them relevant in football. There's no question about it. They were, you know, before that you had to go all the way back to, to uh, Grant Taft. And, and they, but Grant Taft's M.O. was that every third or fourth year we're going to be really good. Right. Uh, but then we're going to have to build up the rest of the time. Well, Art made them relevant every year. But that you was know, also, you know, that being was Texas also every year. with Grant Taft, and, and that was at a time when that was acceptable. Did you, oh, absolutely. For Baylor, that was acceptable. You, you bet it was. You give, us, you give us a cotton bowl every five years, by yep. God, we're in. Because have, they were terrible before right. that. Have you noticed that, Evan, when we talk about SEC, college football, the draw from his the, his he draw comes draw out now. That's, that's, what are you talking? No, about? go listen. Go listen back to yourself, Evan. Oh, Barry, stop that! All right, so so now, Tim, we we've talked a lot about LSU, and that was that was great stuff, and we appreciate that. But now let's go over here to to the other side of the border and talk about what's happening at Texas A and M. 
Did you see enough uh, in that game uh, against Arkansas to make you believe? I don't think he saw the game. I think he was working. Or if you worked, if you just read about it. Okay. He saw the highlights, maybe. Do you think that that there's been that A and M has shown enough to think that the Aggies can challenge Alabama for supremacy in the SEC? Yeah, I I do. I think Trevor Knight was uh, was really a great get for them. And uh, Kevin, I think a lot of what happened in the off season with the unrest at the position and the five-star players he lost was, and the, 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 the mishandling of um, uh, political correctness by his assistant coaches. Uh, all those things led the, the, the media down this uh, slippery slope towards just convicting Kevin Sumlin for losing control. And I, I, think, that it's a, I think it was a premature conviction, and, and I think it speaks a lot to those in our business that are far too judgmental way too quickly. Uh, you know, Kevin is a pretty savvy guy. And getting Trevor at the time that he got him, and also the hiring of Noel Mazzoni, which, which if you've known Noel, and I have for a long time, to really help stabilize uh, the offense, to, to make Texas A&M, in my opinion, less flash and more substance in terms of balance to the game, both running the ball and passing the ball, was a very wise choice. Um, and, and I think that the athletes that they have, whether it's you know Miles on the defensive side, uh, Jones and some of those other incredible receivers, Speedy, the guys that they have on the offensive side, bring to the table a lot of what gives Alabama trouble. Uh, Trevor knows he was successful. Oh, I, I, excuse me. Uh, Alabama really didn't care about that Sugar Bowl because it wasn't for the national title, so they clearly laid over. They clearly laid down. You know, our guys just emotionally weren't into it. You know, Nick Nick has really successfully uh, gotten everyone in in Alabama to buy in that whenever they lose, it's never the opposition's responsibility for them losing, only themselves. You know, they 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 just lose games. No no one ever beats them. Um, but but. A and M's got, I think, all that you have to have: uh, a quarterback that's elusive, uh, an offense that's got so, enough RPO or run pass option. I know you get tired of hearing that today, but it is the, uh, the the posh line of college football today. They've got all that you have to have, and defensive pressure. You know enough, and and the big chief, you know John Chavis. By the way, another mistake of LSU leadership, if you don't mind my backtrack. Sure. All right, Les Miles did not want to lose John Chavis. You hear me? He did not want to lose him. The reason he lost uh, uh, Chavis was because Joe Oliva would not re-up his deal and give him the contract that he deserved. So, again, I go back to leadership. They were doing their best to undermine Les, even in trying to hold on to John Chavis. But that's another story for another day. Uh, to answer your question about A&M, yeah, I think – Listen, Alabama, as good as they really look with that front seven and as wonderful as Jalen Works has been as a freshman quarterback, and Lane Kiffin's done a great job of developing these quarterbacks, whether it was Coker, Blake Sims, and now this kid, uh, they are not dominant on the field. They may have dominance in terms of championships in the last seven years. And if he gets five in the next, you know, if he gets one this year, that's five of the last eight. That's a run unlike any other in my lifetime, including you know what Bear Bryant did to get his six. Uh, if you look back at how he got his six, but but they're not blowing people away. I mean, they're not doing what Wilkinson's Oklahoma teams did, what Switzer's Oklahoma teams did, 
what those great Miami teams in the 80s and 90s did. They're not doing any of that. They're just winning games. They're finding ways to win. Uh, that doesn't mean that, that, that you can't get over the hump or somebody cannot challenge them. There's enough talent at a lot of these schools. Ole Miss needed more depth or they would have beaten them. Texas A&M's got enough. And I think Tennessee is going to give them a real good shot when they play in Knoxville, too. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a believer in what's going on at Texas A&M. You know, one of the things that's impressed me there with the Aggies, and, and you talk about Trevor Knight and obviously winning the Sugar Bowl when he was at Oklahoma against Alabama, is that um, and we, what we've seen so far from him, you know, he's, he's not terribly accurate. Uh, he's nice on the, on, the, on the rollout, and he does some nice things. And, and obviously against Arkansas, once he got past the line of scrimmage, he, he just took off a couple of times uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and beat them. But the, the thing that it, when you're around those players and around that team is that he has brought real leadership. Uh, there. And, and, yeah. and, and, we, and we talk about that sometimes, and I think that's overblown in some aspects. But when you had all the young five-star quarterbacks that came through there so quickly at A&M, and they were all young, and even, even Johnny Manziel, you know, he, he was, a, he was a, you know, a freshman when he, when he did that. Uh, that for, this for a change, A&M has a, a senior, a guy with some veteran leadership, and I think it has made a big difference if you, if you talk to those players and, and, and around them. That that's, to me, the number one thing he brings is that they, those guys all believe in him. Yeah, and you know the other thing too, and we we may be all guilty, uh, Kevin, of of, of not uh, recognizing this. Uh, he got to see firsthand what Baker Mayfield coming into Oklahoma was able to accomplish a year ago, and you know, I, I, in a lot of ways, the way he handled uh, losing his job there uh, at a time when maybe you know you probably felt like coming off that win a couple a couple of years ago. Uh, in in New Orleans, hey, this is man, this is my future is bright. The way he handled it told me one thing, and the other factor that comes into play is he was able to see it. Uh, Baker was one of these kind of swashbuckling uh, kids that came from you know Walkonville to, uh, to to great success, and one of the reasons I think was because he rallied the guys. He was a uh, you know regardless of their backgrounds. Uh, uh, their socioeconomic uh, backgrounds and ethnicities. He he was one of the boys. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that Trevor suddenly became like Baker Mayfield. They're not at all alike. They're no. completely different personas, different kinds of kids. But I think he saw the impact uh, of what was taking place. And, and, uh, and, I, and he also handled it and matured a great deal from it. And so he was the perfect... Uh, elixir to the A&M issues, and there were many at the quarterback spot. And most of these guys, let's face it, Allen was entitled. You know, you, you, when you've got five-star players that have options to play other sports, these kids, many of them come in because of the recruiting service saying what they're saying and the sort of Mel Kuyperization of sport in general today. They have a feeling that they're entitled and that they want, 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 but what are they going to deliver? Uh he doesn't have that, and I think he was just looking for his second and final chance, and he's making the most of it. But I, I think just in watching the way that he, he handled it at Oklahoma and now how he's gotten this, uh, uh, this new opportunity uh, to take it to another level at a, at, a, at a place that's arguably got as much, if not more, uh, fan support than OU uh, is, is incredible. 
but but I think you're right. It's not just about what he brings in in his athletic uh, skills. It's it's more the mental aspect and leadership qualities that I think have uh, have really turned things around, the fortunes around really at Texas A&M. Tim, uh, it's Barry Horn again. Um, and I'd like you to be a little more opinionated and stop holding yeah, back. Yeah, right. Please, please don't hold back. <laughs> uh, I just want to bring up another 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 coach in the state of Texas, Charlie Strong. Uh, just your thoughts on the job he's doing, and um, you know what what we can expect. But well, first off, Barry, you realize I'm no longer in radio, so the most opinionated thing I say now is, well, remember they're looking for indisputable video evidence. <laughs> uh, or or, 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 or the most opinion. Or you could disagree. You could disagree, can't you? I mean, uh, on the broadcast. <laughs> From time to time, Spencer and I will disagree, but it's hard because he's such a good guy. Yeah. You know, it's hard to challenge Spencer because he's, you know, I'm so I'm I'm really the Ferris Bueller of that tandem. Trust me. Um, Charlie is, uh, you know, I I really the first I, I thought mistake that he made uh, was was coming out so quickly. Uh, with Vance and saying that, the, gosh, we've got to make some changes. I, that was a very uncharacteristic of uh, of Charlie. And I'm a big Charlie Strong fan, by the way. Have been for years. Why he didn't get the job at Florida still baffles me. Um, and certainly the job that he did at Louisville, uh, which enabled him the chance at Texas, was justified. So big picture, I think what Charlie's doing at Texas is great. Uh, they had to take steps back because he did have a cultural problem there. And I think that he's, he's recognized that and, and acted on it. Uh, to go get Sterling Gilbert from Tulsa was a marvelous move. Uh, and it's had, I think, a similar effect on his program as the Lincoln-Riley get had on Stoopsies last year at OU. Uh, and I know uh, they're, they're where they are now, but that isn't to say that Oklahoma can't go out and win a lot of games and still contend by the end of the year for the conference championship. Um, but I was a little bit amazed at what uh, he said and the reaction that was uh, that came in the aftermath of the loss to uh, Cal. Maybe he was still singing, stinging from the way uh, the game ended, uh, and I can understand that. Maybe he was a little bit overly emotional. Uh, but that's the, the first time that I really took issue with Charlie's reaction in the postscript of the game. Uh, listen, it's a it's a very difficult fishbowl to, to live in at Texas, and every week uh, you're gonna whatever you say, you bet you better be measured because we're all gonna over we're all gonna react. It's a little bit like Tiger Woods having a bad day. If he's having a bad day, we're gonna see every shot. Well, at Texas, when you're the head coach, we're gonna hear every quote, and we're probably going to analyze every quote. Whereas if you're at Louisville and you've got really a beat writer and a couple of uh, radio shows to do, which was the case when he was there, uh, everybody's not going to analyze every statement and every move that you make. So, so there are those moments when Charlie's got to come to grips with that. But in the big picture, Barry, I, I think that he's the right guy at the right time. And I hope um, I, I know the leadership at Texas, uh, at least the current leadership, is, is very satisfied with him, and they, and they ought to be. I would hope that the, uh, you know, the the others that have the, you know, seven figure uh, checks that they can throw around whenever they want, uh, understand that they need to leave him the hell alone, and let him go about the business because you're not going to find uh, a guy with uh, 
greater moral fiber and understanding of college football to be successful with Charles Strong. Tim, we uh, this has been great catching back up with you and uh, talking college football. We'd love to do it again sometime soon. If you'll make you know, you guys just you, 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 you fiends you fiends just need to hold back on your cynicism. Well, just a little bit. Wait, wait. When Evan said that, you were supposed to say, I'd love to. I'd love to join you again. That, I, I, actually, I don't know that that was so much an invitation as it was a, a plea. Well, you've come a long way, Evan Grant, to, have your own, to, be, to be with Barry Horn and Kevin like that, and it's really your podcast, and they're, they're admitting it, or at least Barry is. That tells me a lot. Oh, come Kev- a long way. Uh, if if Evan let Kevin speak, Kevin would say the same thing. <laughs> That's correct. Kevin, would you like to tell Tim goodbye? Tim, it's been great having you on here. We love talking about this stuff. And and really, though, in the future, if you could kind of just go ahead and tell us how you really feel about something instead of holding back so much, we'd really appreciate it. <laughs> it's a vocational hazard I can't get rid of. Thanks, Tim. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. And, and and we'll, we'll when the podcast is up, uh, I'll send you the link. Thank you, Bill. Thank I appreciate you. It. Bye. Uh, it sounded like he was going down a hallway there, yeah, didn't it? As he was leaving, Kevin, is it a big house? Yeah, the chateau. Is it a big house? It was twenty-five years ago. I, re- I can't believe he remembers all those details. I, I, really I bet can't. he remembers what you were wearing, and that would be the scary. Here thing. is here is the great thing about Tim is. Uh, we played in a golf tournament together one time in Shreveport, and um, well, there's some hacking going on there. Oh, there was, but <laughs> he informed me that uh, we, we were playing under Dixie Rules golf, <laughs> and that meant that nothing worse than a double bogey could be recorded. <laughs> I like that. Um, and so good. you know, you just picked up your ball after you were at double bogey and went on to the next. And you got off the tee box. It was great. Um, we, we he he's a. Uh, He's a fun guy to hang around. He's a fun guy to talk to. Uh, he has been on the college football scene forever, forever. And uh, you know, I know that. Um, I mean, I he he did game day with Bino Cook. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. I think most of our podcast listeners wouldn't even know who Bino Cook was. The listeners, yeah, we know who he is because Bino was a young man, wasn't he? Yeah, that's the right. Only, the only thing Barry knows about Bino is that he takes it before <laughs> before he eats too wow. much. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Bino. Bino. it's an anti-gas medication, Barry. You didn't have to explain that to Barry. I think it's time to say goodbye. Is it time to say goodbye? we gotta, we got to do other we podcasts. Actually, we don't have to say goodbye. We don't have to say goodbye? No. Take Why? us out, Brian. We don't even have to say goodbye. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.